Thank you for choosing the Abide College Ministry Podcast. If this is your first time listening, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message inspires and challenges you. Now here's a message from one of our leaders, Hunter Story. And thank you guys. You can go ahead and grab a seat. And if someone could get the lights on for me, that would be awesome. Thank you guys so much, so much. Give it up for our worship team for doing incredible as always, for sure. You guys having a good night? You had a good weekend so far? Everything going well? All right, I'm going to bring this over here because I have something to demonstrate later, but we'll get to that in just a second. I asked our team earlier today, it was kind of like late notice, but I I sent them on a message and I asked them uh, a couple questions, and I was asking them, like, what are some things that you were always told when you were, like, growing up that, like, you believed them because you were, you were told them, but like you, you're not really sure if like those things are actually like true or not. Like some of them, like one, what one of them said was, well, the first one was that Santa Claus isn't real. And so uh, that someone said that was something that you were always told, but then you weren't like quite sure, like, you know, you're kind of confused if that one was like really um, a thing or not, or if people were just lying to you. Did anyone have like trust issues with their parents when they like found out that tragic information? Really? Just two of us, three of us, that's it? I was kind of heartbroken. I really just didn't think I could trust my parents anymore. But um, that was one of them. One of them said, if you eat a watermelon seed, then a watermelon will grow in your stomach. Did anyone ever, did anyone ever hear that? Did you guys believe that? Did anyone believe that one? Callie Glass did. Okay, a couple, a couple of you did. There you go. Matt said, if you keep your eyes crossed, they'll stay crossed. Did you guys believe that? So like, I know my parents would tell me, don't cross your eyes because they would say that way, and that, that was, I couldn't even fathom that. That would be awful. Um, Zach said that you can be whatever you want when you grow up. I was like, dang, Zach, you, you don't believe that? I was like, <laughs> Zach, I think you can be whatever you want to be when you grow up. I believe in you. So maybe, maybe that's one. And so those were a couple things. But you guys kind of get where I'm going with this. That there's like these phrases that... Um, that we kind of toss around in culture and in life, and we believe them maybe for a time, and then maybe sometimes we don't believe them, but we've been told like our whole lives that they're, that they're, that they're true, and you kind of don't know what you think about them. And I, I was thinking about some of those phrases earlier, but I think there's another phrase that uh, might sound very cliche to us, but it's something that I, I bet many of you have been told most of your life, and it's the phrase, it's just the saying that God loves you. And maybe just like some of those phrases that you're, you would say you're in a place tonight where you've been told that your entire life and in parts of your life you would believe that, but maybe you're even in a season right now where that, that sounds really good. People have told me that my whole life. The, the Bible says that, but how do, I, how do I actually know that God really loves me? I think that's something that if we were all honest and if we were all open with each other, that we could say we've been through periods of our life where that might just be one of those cliche sayings where we're, we've been told it, but we're not really sure if that's true. Like, we've been told that, hey, I, I know, like, God loves me because, like, the Bible says that and because people I've grown up with have told me that God's, God loves me, but I'm just not quite sure if that's, a, if that's a truth and if that's a reality that I can anchor my life around. And this idea of love is one that John presents uh, to us in, uh, in his first letter in chapter 4. So if you have a Bible, open up to 1 John 4. We've skipped a couple chapters, and we've skipped a couple chapters for a reason because I believe that uh, what we're going to talk about tonight, if there was like a thesis statement or a foundational idea in 1 John, I believe it's going to be this idea, and it's the idea of love. And so we can approach this text and wonder, well, why can I trust what John has to say, to say on the topic of love? And there's, I think there's one reason. John, if, if, if you're not familiar with this, he was referred to as the beloved disciple or the one in whom Jesus 
loved. And so Jesus and John had a very tight relationship. In fact, they, they spent a lot of, Jesus spent a lot of his time specifically with John, and he was credited as the one that Jesus like, really loved. I think he loved all of his disciples, but for some reason, John got this tag, the one that Jesus like, really loved. So John, I think, understood this idea of love, and actually love is something that's very much evident in uh, his gospel and then throughout his letters, and he presents this idea of love all throughout 1 John, especially here in chapter 4 with this idea. And so I think we can think about that statement, that God loves us, or God loves you, or God loves me, and we can approach that with all of our questions, and I think John provides some very good answers for us. I'm going to read starting in verse 7 uh, through, through uh, around 12 or so, and then we'll kind of look back at, at some of these verses individually. He says, Dear friends, being very intimate here, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, he says that, he says that again, he uses that, that saying a lot. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And so we kind of ask this question then, what is love? What does it mean that God loves us. And the, the reality is, is that we have the opportunity to love because God first loved us. And so if you're asking the question, what is love? The answer to that is that God equals love. And so what does the Bible have to say about love? It says love is patient. It says love is kind. It says love does not envy or boast. Well, you know all those things that the Bible says about love. So what we can kind of substitute there is that God equals that. If you have any questions about God, what we can know is that God is love. If you have any questions about love, love is essentially God. How, and how, how do we know that that's true? Because here's the thing is you've probably experienced things that people have called love, but they don't seem very godly, right? But here's the truth. What, is, what does the scripture say? It says in verse 10, this is love. This is what love is. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Here's the thing about God, is God takes initiative. God takes initiative. Can we talk about relationships for just a second? Because it pretty much consumes our generation. Here's the thing with relationships. This is what we're always told. We're always told that the guy is supposed to be the one who like, shows initiative, that he's supposed to be the one that pursues the girl. Am I right? Ladies, is that the way it's supposed to work? Amen? Okay, I got like two. Is that, is that the way it's supposed to work? Is the guy supposed to pursue the girl? Okay, Callie's clapping for that. Amen? Okay, great. Okay, so we've been told our whole lives that, that, or at least for guys, that we're supposed to take like initiative and we're supposed to be the ones that like pursue the girl or whatever. And then when, what happens when that doesn't happen? The relationship just like doesn't work or whatever, there's problems. Here's the thing about, for all of us to understand about God, God always takes initiative. God is always active in pursuing you. And maybe when a guy hasn't done that, or if you're a guy, you haven't done that well, what we can understand about God is that he loved us before we loved him. And he is active to initiate a personal relationship with us. He is an initiator, and God created love because God is love. So how do you know that God equals love and that love equals God? Because, because of this, that God loved us before there was anything. God, it is, it is in his nature to love. In fact, if God doesn't love you tonight, he is actually defying his very nature. And God's not in a situation right now where he's wondering who he is. 
He knows who he is, and because he knows who he is, he knows that he loves you. God, is, his very character is to be compassionate towards you. His very character is to be kind towards you. His very character is to show grace to you. So while you may have experienced what some people call love, and it hasn't really lined up with what you believe in the Bible, or what, what, what the Bible says love really is, what we can know is that God is love because God created love. And when he established the heavens and the earth, I believe he just created with this character that he just wanted to love his people. And you even see in the Garden of Eden where he created it, and he made it perfect. Why? Because he wanted to give something to the people that he loved. God is love, and God takes initiative. The fact that you are here tonight shows that you have God's attention. The fact that you are in, the, I believe that you are in this room, maybe you would say you came because you just got invited by a friend or because a friend bought, brought you or they just convinced you or tricked you into coming, or maybe because you have friends here and you know you could come hang out with friends, or maybe you just think it's fun, or maybe you believe the worship team's incredible. Maybe that's why you're here tonight, but I just so believe that the reason you're here tonight is because you're on heaven's radar. And because God sees you. And you might say, well, I just got invited by a friend. Man, that's God pursuing you. That he would allow a friend to come into your life, to step into your story and say, hey, will you come with me to church tonight? That is God pursuing you, warning you, drawing close to you, trying to get your attention, trying to get your eyes on him because he is setting up a situation where he just wants to grab your heart. Why? Because he loves you. And he is actively pursuing a relationship with you. God is love and God takes initiative. And here's what I love about this statement when it says that this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us. Because when everyone in the world loves you because you were created, God created you because he loves you. So think about this. The only reason that I can love someone is because they exist, right? The only reason I can love someone is because they were created. So when everyone in the world loves you because you were created, God created you because he loves you. God, he does things in reverse. The fact that you exist, so not, take, take aside the fact that you're here. The fact that you exist, the fact that you're alive, the fact that you're breathing shows that God loves you because he simply created you, and he couldn't create you if he didn't love you because he loved you before you did anything. He loved you before you made any decisions about him. He loved you before you were born, and we see that, that God, that's what love is. While everyone in culture tries to define love, this is love, that God loved you before you loved him, before before you ever made a decision about him, before you ever had a thought about God, God loved you and is pursuing a relationship with you. That is love, that God loved us before we ever made a decision. So what does that mean for you tonight? Is that you aren't in a position where you're having to fight for God's love. You're not in a position where you're having to try, try to do anything uh, for God's love. Or how to, you're not in a place where you're trying to work yourself into a position to receive God's blessing or to receive God's favor. And if you think that, I, I pray against that idea tonight. I pray against the, the, that idea that you're having to do something, make certain decisions, or have a certain behavior in order for God to show his love to you or to show his blessing to you. Because the reality is you don't have to work yourself into a position to receive God's love or blessing because you already have God's love. And you just get to embrace that tonight. What an opportunity. What an opportunity to embrace God's love, to know that when everyone in the world loves you because you were created, God created you because he loves you. And you didn't have to do anything tonight. You don't have to do anything ever to receive God's love because it's always there. He is always active in pursuing a personal relationship with you. And God, he's not, the thing is, he's not going to force you into anything tonight. He's not going to trick you into anything tonight. But what, is it, what do we know about love? It's patient. God's patient. God's kind. I believe God, while he, we see in the Bible that he's wrathful, I think he's also gentle. I think he has this sweet spirit about him. And he's not trying to convince you or trick you to do anything tonight. But what he is showing you is that there's love available to you. 
tomorrow. You may not know what that even looks like or what that even means because you've been so messed up by people in the world. God is saying, I loved you before you did anything. I loved you before you made any kind of decisions, before you had any kind of thought. And the God we serve, the God that we get to have a personal relationship with, is one who loved us before we loved him. That is what love is. And so you can look at that and say, that's pretty bold for you to do that, God. That's pretty, that's pretty bold for you to kind of pursue us before you even know we would make a decision. And here's the thing, is real love risks rejection. Always, right? Real love risks rejection. And God, in, just in his love and grace, says even, and I think he knows that every decision we're going to make, but even before we make it, he says, I'm going to love my people. And he does it, and he does it so well. And so we see that God loves us, and so we can ask the question, but how can I trust that? Because the Bible says that. The Bible says it, and Hunter's up here saying it, and people have told me that before, that, um, that God loves me. But how do I really know that that is what is absolutely true about life? And I think the text answers that pretty clearly. And what it says, if you'll look with me in verse 9, it says... This is how God showed his love among us. So John's being pretty clear here, pretty practical. Like, you have questions. How do I know God loves me? This is what he says. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. How does God love you? He loves you through Jesus. And that's pretty simple. That's not like a profound idea. But here is what is true is that God loves you, and the way he loves you, the avenue in which he loves you is Jesus. So what, is it, what does it say? It says, this is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So how do you trust that God loves you because he sent his only son to die for you? This is what is so cool, I think, about God is that he loves you so much. That What is the greatest story in all of the Bible? It's Jesus. He's the point of the whole Bible. I don't know if any of you have, have this Bible. It's the Jesus Bible, and it's a pretty cool resource, and it literally shows you how Jesus is at the center of the entire Bible. And so what's going on in the, in the story of the Bible is everything is, is going up to this conclusion where Jesus redeems the world from their sins. And so it's the, think about it. It's the greatest story in the Bible, the greatest story in the Bible, and God made that story about us. It's about Jesus, but he made that story for us. And God loves us so much that his greatest plan, his greatest story in the world was to meet our greatest need. Because your greatest need tonight isn't getting a relationship. And your greatest need tonight isn't getting a job or isn't getting some kind of, some kind of success or some kind of thing. Your greatest need tonight is that you have a sin problem. Our greatest need tonight is that we have a sin problem. Our greatest problem is that we are the problem. That the reason the world is broken is because of us. And let's just be honest for a minute. This, is, this might sound super churchy, but this is the truth of the Bible, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that, we have stepped ourselves out of a relationship with God. But it doesn't end there. And that while we make decisions that are wrong, God loved us before. He loved us before we made those decisions because he knew the decisions we would make. And yet he still, he sends his son Jesus to atone for our sins. God used his greatest story to meet your greatest need. And your need tonight, our, all of our needs tonight, no matter where we're at on our faith journey, is that we all have a sin problem that we need Jesus to work out of us. And that only happens by us putting our faith in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And so how does, Jesus, how does God love you? He loves you through Jesus. Think of that. What God didn't give you was money. 
He didn't give you anything that was limited. He didn't give you anything that you could get more of. He literally gave you himself. So God's the maximum. He's the greatest being. He's the greatest thing in all of time, history, and eternity. And what did he give you to meet your need? He gave you himself through Jesus. That's how much he loves you, that he would give you his only son, Jesus, to atone for our sins, to pay a price that we couldn't pay to, to meet our greatest need and to fix our greatest problem. And that is something that you have to embrace tonight. And I can't do that for you. No one can do that for you. And God's not going to force that upon you. But I pray tonight that you would see the cross and all that it is and that you would embrace what Jesus has done for you on the cross and the reality that God loves you and he loves you and thinks that you are worth Jesus. And everything for the rest of our life, after we see that, after we get our eyes on that, the eyes of our heart on that, everything else is a response to that. Everything else that we do for faith is a response to God's love for us through Jesus. And so we can respond in a lot of ways. One way you can respond is you can worship. We just did that. We just sang songs. We're going to worship at the end of this because we believe that every time we open up the word, it requires a response from us. And a lot of times we do that through a song. And so maybe you'll say that we're going to respond in, in, in worship, or you can respond to God's love for you in worship. You can respond to God's love for you in service. So maybe you say, hey, I have seen God's love for me, and I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve people. I'm going to serve others. We have so many teams that, that, that operate to make tonight happen, and, and that's not what it's all about, but but maybe you can say, hey, I, I want to serve because I, I see God's love for me and that his love for me is through Jesus. Here's the thing. Everything in our faith journey, every decision we make is a response to God's love for us. Our discipline, our character, our integrity, the decisions we make, the behavior we have, all of that revolves around our response to God's love for us. All of it revolves around God's love for us. But here's the thing, is that God takes initiative but love requires a response. So God takes initiative, but love requires a response. If a guy asks you out, or if a guy, like it's almost formal season, so if a guy asks you to formal, that requires a response from you, right? Like you've got to say yes or no, or even if you say maybe, you've got to say something. God takes initiative, and love requires a response. And so that response can be worship. That response can be service. That response can be your decisions or whatever. But there's one response that I think God's looking for, and it's found in verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Greatest commandment in all the world. What is it? Someone tell me. What was that? Love the Lord your God, then love your neighbor as yourself, right? That's the greatest commandment. It, connect, it literally connects in the Old Testament and the New Testament. That we would love the Lord our God and that we would love other people. Like It's, it's pretty simple what life is really all about. You just got to love God, and then you just got to love others. And John makes it pretty clear here in verse 11. Dear friends, since God loved you, there's one response that's necessary, and it can be worship, and it can be service. It can be discipline. It can be character and integrity. But the one response that really changes everything is if you would start to love one another. So because of God's love for you, if you embrace God's love for you, that sets you on a path so that you can start to love other people. And I just think, how about instead of arguing with our friends or arguing with people about, about whether God exists or not, why don't we just try to love them? Because what does it say here in the text? It says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. That's it. 
We all, we're always looking for like signs that God exists. But what if the people of God just said, I'm going to start loving people based on the love that I've received? Like, I'm just going to start loving my friends and loving my neighbors and loving my classmates and loving my teammates and loving my family in the way that God loved me. And how did, how did God love us? He loved us through Jesus. Flip back to 1 John chapter 3 for just a second and look in verse 16. 1 John 3.16, not John 3.16. We'll talk about that in a second. But 1 John 3.16, this is, this is what it says. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. How do you, how do you love God? So God loves us through Jesus. We love others, and we love others. We love God. The greatest way for you to love God is to love other people. If you want to maximize your love for God, start loving other people. I guarantee something will change in your faith when you start to serve your neighbors, when you start to love your neighbors. And just speaking of that, that's, that's what we said the greatest commandment was. We know, what neighbor, we know neighbor really means everyone, that when Jesus tells us to love the Lord our God and to love our neighbor, it really means neighbor. But think for a minute if Jesus actually meant just to love the people right in front of your face, like the people that you see every single day, like the people you have, you have to go to class with, the people that you have to go to practice with. What if you just love those people? Every single day. It's something unique that happens. It's like really that God actually knows what he's talking about. That he loves us through Jesus. He gives us the opportunity to love others. And we love others. We get to love God. Your faith will change when you start to love others in a way that's sacrificial. In a way where you literally lay down your life for other people. I don't know what that necessarily means for us in our culture and in this context. But when we look at the model of Jesus, what was he all about? sacrificing for others, to build others up, to encourage other people, to make sure other people had it right. What if we lived like that, where our classmates and our teammates and our friends and our family and our coworkers, everything in life revolved around us serving them, us lifting them up, us encouraging them, us making them better, and even if we get the worst, as long as they get the best. That's the love of God. And he shows us that. He gives us the model through Jesus, and he gives us the opportunity to show that to other people. We, you don't show God's love because you but here's, here's the thing, you don't show God's love because you haven't embraced God's love. God loves us through Jesus. We love others, and when we love others, we get to love God. So why doesn't that always work? Because we don't always get this. And when you don't make it here, you can't make it here. Why don't we love others? Because we don't know how much God loves us. And if you can embrace for a second, how much the God of the universe cares about you and loves you and wants you and is pursuing a relationship with you, then you will never be able to stop loving other people, ever. When you get in your mind and in your heart how much the God of the universe cares about you, you will never be able to stop loving your neighbors. Love requires a response. I know... Many of you maybe have heard me share this idea before. I have a great relationship with uh, my mother, um, but I, I use her in messages because there's like, it's like the only illustrations that I feel like I have because me and my mom get along on everything but really one thing, and it's how clean the house should be, and I'm just not on board with what she believes is, is true in that. Does anyone else feel me in that? Like moms are just a little crazy in that. I hope she doesn't listen to this message, but uh, she's crazy. I, I, I mean, she's just crazy, and um, she just has this idea of what the house needs to look like but I just don't have that same idea of what the house should look like. And so mom is always like, it, this is literally how it happens. Like I get in from like 
whatever I'm doing, it'll be like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, Mom, you just need to go to bed. Like, I don't even know why you're up. You have to work in the morning. And I'll like, say this is my recliner. I'll sit down. I'll be sitting here for a minute. And they're always watching the game show. But, like, I'm going to turn to, like, Sports Center or something because I don't know why they watch the game show all the time. And so I'll be, I'll be, wa- I'll be watching Sports Center. I'll finally get on my show. And I'll be sitting here. And it'll be, like, five minutes. And I'll be just like this, finally getting comfortable after a long day. So when are you going to wash clothes? It's like, Mom, I don't want to wash clothes right now. I don't care that my room's a mess. I don't care what the house looks like. I don't. I really don't. But she just has this idea of what every, how everything needs to be in the house. And that's just what we disagree on. And then this is what she says. If you loved me, you would clean your room, right? Right? And, and then she would always pull, I'm not mad at you. I'm just, like, disappointed. Because if you were really sorry, you'd do something about it. Does anyone, does anyone agree with me? It's kind of the gospel. It really, it really is. I have to give it to you. Here's the thing. Love requires a response. I'm wrong. I need to clean my room because if I love my mom, I would clean the room. She is right. I'll give that to her. Here's the reality. If you love God, you can't help but love other people. If you love God, you can't help but love other people. I know I'm just reading the passage a lot, but I, I mean, I just want us to really zone in on what this is talking about. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. How are our neighbors going to know Jesus if we don't love them? Here's the last thing, and we'll get ready to close. Love gives us confidence. Love gives us confidence. So it says in um, chapter 4 in verse uh, 6, starting in verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in the world we're like Jesus. So here's what happens. So God loves us through Jesus. I know I'm getting repetitive. God loves us through Jesus. Then we have the opportunity to love others. Then we have the opportunity to love God. But listen to what it says. It says this is how love is made complete. We drew it like this because it's a never-ending cycle. That the more we understand that God loves us, the more we'll love others. The more we'll love others, the more we'll love God. And the more we love God, the more we understand that God loves us. It's, the, it's, the process, it's really the process of life. That, that God just loves us, we love others, we love him, and then it, it's made complete. You start to understand how everything works when you start loving God and loving others. And John lays it out simply like this. How do you know God loves you? He loves you through Jesus. John writes this in, in his gospel. We know it so well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you through Jesus. He's asking you, will you start to love others because of the love that you've embraced? Will you start to love others? And that gives us confidence. That gives us confidence. So I just picture this, the day we'll meet God and what that will be like. And everyone talks about being nervous. We have confidence. Why? Because we know God wants us in the room. Because he loves us. Because he wants us. Because he pursued us. Because he gave Jesus for us. We get to have confidence before our God to know that he wants us in the house. Oh, what love. Oh, what, how deep the Father's love for us. That he would trade Jesus so that he gets us. And all he's asking of you is that you would respond by loving your neighbor. That you would respond by loving your neighbor. We'll just close around this idea. I'm so tired of wasting time wishing that my friends would know Jesus. I'm ready to start loving them until they do. 
I'm so sick of talking about how much I love people and not doing anything about it. I hate it. Because we get in rooms like this and we talk about how much we love God and we put our hands in the air and we sing these worship songs, but nothing's changing on campus. And nothing's changing at work and nothing's changing in our families. And, and, and God's still at work. God's still doing things. But when is all this stuff going to stop? All, all the hate in our country, all the hate in our world. And we talk about missions and we talk about going in the world, but we won't even love the people in our class. I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of talking to my friends about how they should get in church, but I don't treat them any differently. I don't serve them. I don't encourage them. I don't lay down my life for them. When is it going to stop? And when are we going to see that because of the love that God has shown us, he's just asking us to love other people? How deep his love is for us. And he's just saying, would you love other people? People that aren't like you, people that are different, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you get hurt, even when you get walked over. Because here's the thing, culture is always telling us that you don't need to let people walk over you. You need to stand your ground. That's not the gospel. The gospel is to lay your life down for your brothers and your sisters. And so can we do that? Because I can't do it on my own. And you can't do it on your own. But what if a community of people rose up to the challenge to say, we're going to love others because our God loves us. And we're going to fight for others because our God fought for us. We're going to serve others because our God served us, and we're going to invite people into the story of God by loving them with our lives. Jesus, thank you for the example that you set. Thank you for giving your life up for us. Thank you for changing the story for us that when we were lost, we have now been found, that when we were dead in our sin, that you made us alive. So the invitation is here, and I pray that our eyes would be on it, that you are inviting us to love you, to embrace the love that you have for us, to embrace the truth that you're on our side and that you sent Jesus to be for us. We embrace that tonight, and I pray that our response would be a game changer, because we know that that doesn't just happen by the song we sing in this room, it happens by the way that we live our lives, so we just say now, just like that song earlier, that take our life, take our dreams, take our thoughts, take everything we have to serve others, to love others, to be for other people, to be for our campus, to be for our our families, to be for our friends, just because of the love that you've shown us. God, you're so good. I just pray that we would have the courage and the faith to follow you wherever, even when it breaks our heart, even when we get hurt, even if it changes the way people look at us, we give it to you because you are so worth it. Thank you for loving us before we ever made a decision about you, before we we ever even had a thought about you. Thank you for loving us. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Guys, you're on heaven's radar tonight. God sees you in your story, and he's asking you, Will you embrace the love that he has for you? He's shown you through Jesus how much he loves you. And then he's also asking this of you. How much will you serve others? How much will you love others? How far will you go to love other people? I pray that we'll respond well.